This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards. If you're looking to unload your collection and maybe turn some of that old cardboard into cash, Greg Morris can help. Greg's always buying collections of vintage basketball, baseball, football, or hockey cards. If you have modern or ultra-modern graded cards, he'll buy those as well. On top of all that, Greg takes cards on consignment. Go to gregmorriscards.com to sell them your cards, or you can email joe at gregmorriscards.com directly. What's up, everyone? This is episode 142 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, I mentioned my social media accounts there, and both of them have been pretty active this week, fielding feedback from last week's episode. For those of you that might have missed it, the main segment revolved around the most iconic cards for East, East Eastern Conference franchise. A little tongue twister there. Um, I invited Steve, aka S. Halley, 2003, on to help me out with that. He's back again with me today, this time from the jump. So, um, Steve, how are things going? You know, Kyle, things are going well. I'm just going to give a little heads up to the listeners. I've got two young kids that are sick and they've been coughing and sneezing in my face all week. So, if I. If I sound a little hoarse, I apologize. And Kyle, if you have to edit out some coughs, I apologize. But um, other than that, things are going well. All right. Well, my my amateur audio editing will do the absolute best that I can here to disguise all of that. Um, either way, we're happy to have you here. Um, and our conversation last week was very focused by design. So um, even though I had John last week, I, I feel like we don't really know what's going on in your collecting world right now. Do you have any updates for us before we jump in? Yeah, I got, I got two updates, bud. And, and one I haven't told you about, though I've hinted at in some of our conversations. But um, I have a, a chase of all Paul Pierce gold refractor cards. And there's two cards that I've been really chasing for the last two years or so. Um, both Bowman Chromes. I, I won one at auction recently. Okay. And then the very day that I got that one, uh, your buddy Zach, who you had on the show before, had a had a Facebook sale, and hidden in his pile of cards was the other Bowman Chrome. So I now have every Chrome Finest and Bowman Chrome Pierce Gold Refractor headed my way. So I'm pretty excited about that. So that's a uh, something I never thought would accomplish, but really happy about that. And then the other thing I, I hinted to you, Kyle, when we were talking prepping for this, that I. Had a little story, and it's a quick story, but a good friend of mine recently decided to cash out. I say cash out because he's staying in the hobby, but wanted to move some of his higher-end Jalen Brown cards. Just um, And 90% of the cards he sold were once cards I owned. <laughs> and um, let's just say that I could own a Tesla if I had held on to those cards. So watching those auctions end last night was uh, exciting for him because he's a very good friend. And the car, you know, I moved him for cards that are now still in my PC, but that was, it was a trip last night. Let me tell you, watching those things end and, and some of the prices those went at, I was like, hmm, <laughs> my wife would be pretty happy if that was me instead of him. But, um, but that's what's going on in my world in the hobby. So has the Jalen Brown stuff, um, has it stayed strong, you know, kind of as everything's leveling off a little bit? It, it's fascinating, Kyle. It's up more than it was, and he's out injured right now. So he ended last year injured, and he's out injured right now with a minor injury. It's a hamstring pull. It's nothing major. But the Celtics are underperforming, and I don't. I honestly don't know. A lot of these cards set record prices for what they're going at, and, and they were through consignment. Our good buddy Ricky. Um, so we'll <laughs> see if they all get paid for. But it was it was fascinating to watch because the estimates that we all had as, as Celtics collectors on what would they would go for, he they surpassed a lot of them and a couple of them by probably two X what we thought some of them would go for. So it'll be you know, assuming they all get paid for, it was the Jalen Brown stuff is up and I, I Celtics collectors are, are crazy. There's an international base. I almost wonder if it's the anti Tatum push right now is driving up Jalen Brown stuff. But it was it was it was fascinating to watch these prices end. And I'm surely Jalen Brown is a Celtic by the end of the year. Um, 
I know there's been some goofy rumors, right? Oh, but he, oh yeah. He is a Celtic. Um, I don't see him going anywhere. He's a potential career Celtic. He's he's on a team-friendly deal. And um, not to get, you know, geek out on Celtics too much, but he's one player that just gets better every year and plays team ball pretty well. So I, I see him sticking around for a while. All right. Well, you know, these are unprecedented times when it comes to pricing. And I know we talked about before uh, we started recording, I bid a ridiculous amount on a Doug McDermott <laughs> patch. So um, hopefully, well, I mean, I did win it. So hopefully I'll be talking about that in a recent mail day. Uh, don't have it yet, though. But I did get one piece of mail uh, in this week. And this is normally the time of the show where I would talk about that. So I figured you're here. Why don't I include you in that as well? Have you got um, anything in particular in lately that you want to talk about? Yeah, one thing that I got in that's outside of the norm for me is actually a collegiate auto. I got this in probably between the last time we, we recorded. Um, it's a 2013 exquisite Bill Russell auto, and it's it's a USF Dons card. And I, I just wanted to share this one. Um, it's on my Instagram, and I'll, I'll repost it in my story when this when this episode drops, but I was rereading his biography this summer, and it, it really got me hooked on the the significance of collegiate cards for players that had impressive collegiate careers. So, like, you can't tell the history of basketball without talking about, you know, the college career of Bird and Magic, right? And mm-hmm. and reading Russell's biography, he's he him and Casey Jones, what they did at this small school out in San Francisco, really changed the track trajectory of um college basketball and reading that i i really just wanted um a collegiate auto and i've been searching for months for it someone i know was paying good money for even non-licensed non-college russell autos so that kind of gave me a baseline for uh for prices and i was super stoked to finally land one it's it's a gorgeous card if if nobody's seen the collegiate exquisite stuff from like 2012 2013 it's really well done um, some nice hollow foil, really interesting parallels and like just weird numbering, but, uh, a car I'm, I'm super excited to add. So that was, that was my really big pickup over the last week or so. You mentioned that person that's been buying unlicensed Russell <laughs> autos. I, I literally just saw a notification pop up on my computer. As you were saying that, that one item has deposited in my com C. So Whatever that item is, when that sells, there is a Russell Auto on there that I'm looking at. Um, so I, I picked up um, one card this week as well. Not a college card. Um, and you talked about the greatness of Russell. This is a player whose um, talent and whose skill set I've, I've been trying to... I tried to suppress for years. Um, but it was a 2004-2005 Upper Deck Ultimate Premium Patch, number to 75 of Rip Hamilton... Um, so this, and I think I even showed it to you several times. I, at one point you told me you must really like that card. You've sent me that picture (laughs) twice now. Um, so this one though, it was important for me. I never really explained why, you know, some of it. I love the set number one, and I've been trying to get a copy of the Rip Hamilton for several years now, uh, especially ever since I got the Ben Wallace, um, two, this gives me two Pacers and two Pistons that I can pair together. So I've had the Jermaine O'Neal for probably six or seven years. I finally grabbed the Reggie at this year's National, and like I said, I had Ben Wallace. So um, I finally have that set of four patches I can put together. And to me, that's symbolic of the era. I've said it on here before, but if if your team has a rival right now that elicits any sort of emotion from you, buy cards of that rival. You'll appreciate it later on. Um, I would rather buy something that that brings some sort of emotion out in me than feel obligated to buy something that, you know, does nothing for me. So, yes, I collect pistons now, too. There you have it. All right. Um, Before we move on to our main segment, I want to remind you real quick about three easy things that you guys can do to help this show. These are things that cost you zero dollars. Number one, you can share this episode on social media. Um, Tell someone else about the show. Number two, check out my YouTube content. And if you have time, let the ads play. I don't make a lot from that, but every little bit helps. Um, you You buy me Doug McDermott patches. And then number three, shop through my eBay or Fanatics link. Um, Same thing as the previous item. Every little bit helps. So those are three ways that you can help me um, without spending any money in the process. So please consider those if you enjoyed this episode. Okay. 
So as you guys might have seen from today's title, we're going to run through iconic cards for Western Conference franchises. After last week's episode, I posted a few pairs of cards on social media. I think maybe four, maybe five by the time this airs, just to see what everyone else thought. I didn't go through every pairing. Um, I don't know, you know about you, what all you saw, Steve, but there were a lot of people that responded with, oh, that's such an obvious choice. It's such and such. This card's a lock. And then, interestingly enough, somebody would reply that same thing for the other card that I had it paired up against. So everyone has a little bit different of a perspective on what the word iconic means. Um, Steve, do you want to recap real quick what it means for you? Yeah, I mean, we talked about last week, and as I was going through the replies, I think what it, and then I waited to see some of the feedback before I did the Western Conference, and, and to me it really, what card is when you say that team's name, what card comes to mind? What image comes to mind? So it's easily recognizable. It's readily available. And it, it has some sort of significance. I think what I want to expand on from last week is not only for the team, but for the person. Like Kind of like when you hit on those Pistons cards, Kyle. It elicits some sort of response. Like It, it brings back a positive memory or representation of that team. Um, but, but those are the key things, easily recognizable, easily accessible, and then um, it ties in to some level of significance. Yeah, and that's pretty much what I had as well. I, I used, I think I used ROI just to make it easier to yeah. remember, but same thing, recognizable, obtainable, and important. Um, and people gauge these things in a number of ways. I know um, Adam, the Real 27 guy, he said that he used market cap for it, which, you know, personally, I don't agree with that method. I, I kind of think that's just a reflection of the fact that a lot of the content out there right now is, or the last couple of years has been really market focused. And that's not a dig on anyone. Um, but my counter to that was the David Robinson hoops rookie. But you know what? You know, I'm not the final say on what this means. It's, it's kind of open for interpretation. There's not one right or wrong way necessarily. So I just use that to show that there are other perspectives out there, um, even from ours that we discussed here on the show. Um, I also had someone point out to me that a particular card didn't mean much when it first came out. Um, so, But I don't think it needs to be iconic from the start necessarily. Um, now, even though you know the way that we perceive it early on undoubtedly plays a big part, but it can still become recognizable and important later on. So um, was there anything else in the feedback that you can think of that stood out to you before we get going here? Yeah, two things stood out to me. One, you posted polls in your Instagram story, and I'm pretty sure you only chose the teams that you knew people would side with you because it was all like 80 to 20 <laughs> no, siding I, with you. No, I did. <laughs> I did everything in my power. I did not post the nets. I did not post the nets, um, and, and I wanted to, but I said, no, he's going to think I'm picking on him because I didn't agree with the Brooke Lopez pick. Yeah, but I, I think um, – the feedback from the Knicks was the most fascinating because I think you and I really kind of struggled with like for such a historic franchise, a card that represented them so well. And people are pretty firm in, in picking one side or another, but the fact that they were so firm in, in deciding, even if it was split, was interesting. And then the, I think probably some people that were you know closer to my age were recalling that John Starks card, I think it was Stadium Club, mm -hmm. um, of him dunking over the uh the bulls and that's a card that like yes when i hear about that i it, it recalls to me um but just interesting to see how like people were so firm on that and for a car for a team that we sort of debated on we it could have been probably 10 different cards we talked about to see yeah. people for a team like that whereas like the celtics they were they were like you know f yes the two cards we discussed pretty consistently everyone was saying yes to those two and then sharing why. So it's just interesting to see the, um, I think we're in the ballpark of the right discussion points. And like you said, no, there's no, I mean, who the hell am I? This, we're not defining these things, but it was, it was interesting to see where some of the discussion went on teams that we struggled with and the teams that we were pretty consistent with. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting on the Knicks. Uh, people were very, and maybe it is an age thing. People were, yeah. Oh no, it's gotta be Ewing. It's gotta be Starks. Yeah. But when I when I pair those against guys that actually, I mean, I hate to say this, did something for the Knicks, yep. uh, and and you know, 
cemented banners for that franchise. Like it, it's hard for me to pick Ewing, even though he is, you know, a big deal in Nick's history. It's hard for me to pick those guys. Now, granted, the '86 Fleer is a big part of that, yep. and we'll touch more on yeah. that later. But then also '69 Tops is a big deal too. So if if you're gonna look at it that way, you know, for me, like I said, I picked Frazier. I know there were other people that picked Willis Reed. Um, I don't remember what you ended up picking. You might have grabbed, you might have picked the Ewing, but either way, it, it wasn't a you know a firm choice for any of us. I don't think. Yeah. Um, now, what did you think about the feed, the chatter on the LeBron card? Um, that was interesting. That was that was a little all over the place, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, there was someone that very explicitly sided with me on the uh, prism, so I'm just gonna go with whoever said that was absolutely correct. So, <laughs> right. but I I know you have a little more feedback on that, so I'll let you kind of run with it here. Well, and uh, you know what? I, that was partially I forgot to put even put the prism on the uh, picture as I was I going through it. Mm-hmm. I ended up putting the the paper tops rookie and the exquisite RPA, and I had a I had several people say no, no, it's it's the chrome rookie. Um, and yes, I said earlier, it doesn't have to be that from the start. I don't remember the Chrome being that big of a deal when I was collecting in no. 2003 and 2004. And, and, you know, maybe that was just my small world that I was in, but I don't remember that at all. And to, to be honest with you, when I was choosing between those two, I explicitly chose the tops paper one because when you're thinking of the image of that card, unlike, I mean, I don't want to talk about, I think... In the 90s, there was a difference between chrome, fineness, and paper. But for that year, 0304, I, I, for LeBron, that paper version of that card was the card that everybody wanted to get. They weren't focused on the chrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and even today, I would argue that as many people, you know, because of the price discrepancy and stuff, as many people would be just as happy to grab that paper copy as they would the chrome copy. And I just think where it's the exact same image, the exact same design, and just the difference in the technology used to print them, I, I would argue that that paper copy is is much more iconic than the Chrome copy because of the history of that specific card and that set. Yeah, I think so too. Um, another card that I I don't think either one of us mentioned, mentioned that was talked about was the Chalk Toss, um, which, you know, okay, that's a creative... Um, I can see where a lot of people like that you know, you might as well throw in the, the 08 Chrome with Kobe too. Yep. Um, but um, I can't, I just can't put it on the level with those other cards, but that's not to demean it. It's just not at that level for me in significance. Yeah. Still a very Agreed. cool, one of LeBron's coolest looking cards. So I can't deny that. Um, all right. So let's move on. Let's go ahead and get to the Western conference here. I could talk more and more. We didn't talk about the bucks and all that, but I, actually I'm going to bring up the bucks a little bit later, but let's start off. Um, with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, so the Dallas Mavericks are a relatively young franchise when you look at some of the other ones. They were founded in Dallas in 1980, so they've always been there. Um, I'll give my selection first, and I'll give some context later, but I'll give my selection and then let you give yours. I chose the 2018-2019 Prism Luka Doncic card. I mean, shame on you. It's clearly a 2012 Prism Jay Crowder rookie, right? <laughs> right. No, I um Jay Crowder. I went with the RPA. 90, yeah, <laughs> I went with the 98-99 Topps Chrome Dirk rookie. Okay, so let's let's talk through kind of our rationale here, or even our choices here. So I had three that I typed out here. I had the 94-95 Topps Finest Jason Kidd. Yep. I had well. the um the Dirk SP Authentic, which. To me, though, is yep. never has never. That's more an extension of just Vince Carter's SP Authentic being so popular. That's why I can't for Raptors. I couldn't envision any other card being that card um, because that Vince was so popular that now I even think, hey, maybe the Dirk could be considered up there too. Um, and then I had the Prism Luca on there. Um, so tell me about um, kind of your thinking for the Chrome, the Dirk Chrome. So part of so there's two things that go in, go play into it. One is Dirk's impact on the Mavs. Um, he wanted he wanted chip there, and his impact on European players and what it meant to. Without Dirk, there's no Luca, right? And right. so, um, just the the historical impact of Dirk and what he did in, in staying with the franchise for his entire career, his relationship with Cuban. And then 98-99 was a, a sneaky strong draft class. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of very easily recognizable cards and sets. 
coming out of 98-99 um, that I, I think helped kind of pull the, the hobby into the 2000s. And then it just to be determined with Luca, right? Like that right. prism card is absolutely a card that is a centerpiece of the modern hobby. But talk to someone that's 50, 60 years old. Talk to someone that is a lifelong Dallas fan. I'm just not sure if that's a card that they would need to have in their collection where I feel like a Mavericks collector, uh, you know, basketball historian collector, a Hall of Fame collector, they're going to want that Dirk rookie. Um, right. And that's in 98-99 Chrome is one of the chase sets that that help modernize you know the technology and in, in current basketball cards so for for those reasons i went with the Derek rookie over the the luca rookie yeah let me defend my pick here a little bit and and i think we could go with either one of them um and i do own both cards um actually the 98 chrome was a gift from jake roy so thank you jake roy of 90s b-ball cards but um I wanted it to be a dirt card, but there really was, you notice I listed the SP authentic. The Chrome really didn't stand out as being that significant to me, even though I wanted it, even though that's my favorite one. And then I just think that that 2018 Luca played such a big role in the emergence of the modern hobby and kind of where we're at right now. And even though it has been, you know, it has only been several years, um, so much, I mean, I feel like a decade's worth of hobby history has happened in these two or three years. Um, so for me, that's why it's so important. And you know what? I might look at this in, in a year, in three years, in 10 years and say, what an idiot. Um, but that for me, that's where I'm at right now. I, I definitely respect that. And I, I don't think you're wrong. And one thing we haven't hit on yet is a card can be iconic for being historic, but it can also be iconic for being infamous. And if this mm-hmm overpopulation i mean if if that card is the poster boy for the mass production that's going on and all the slab stuff that's going on i mean that that's going to be a card people think about so i I don't i can't say no to that one i just i chose the dirk because of his impact on the mavs as a as an organization yeah a slight edge over that hang on to that last idea um yeah because i got some doozies coming up um (laughs) all right i'm not proud of them denver nuggets though Let's talk about the Nuggets. The Nuggets were another team that actually started off in the ABA. Shout out to the ABA. They were the Denver Rockets until 1974, and then they became the Nuggets. Um, so let's. I'll have you give your pick first, and then I'll go into mine. This is one I'm not confident with. I was all over the place, but I ended up with the 0304 exquisite RPA, Carmelo Anthony. Okay. I had that one on my list. I chose the 91-92 upper deck Dikembe yeah. Mutombo. Um, and for the same reason that I chose that Larry Johnson, that was just, those were such big cards at that time. They were a big deal. People were chasing them. It's got a pretty iconic image of him in the suit. Um, and then also I, I tried to reach out to some nuggets people. So I reached out to Ryan mind cycle cards and I, you know, I had that pick in my mind and I said, Hey, what would you choose as your nuggets card? And that's the one that he selected. Um, were yeah, there, that was, that was the number two on my list. Number two. Okay. Were there any others that you had, um, written up? No, the only other one I, I brought up was Alex English's rookie. And I, it really was low down there because 78, 79 tops is my note to myself is talk about a set that no one cares about. Right. right. But Alex English's, you know, career was, was pretty historic, but yeah, even, even the Carmelo oh. one, like you could easily talk me into the Mount Matumbo because, Mellow's mellow, and is he? And I'm. I don't want to spoil what I'm going to say some <laughs> later. But do people think of him as a nugget, or they think of him as Carmelo? You know what I mean. And so right. even the tie to the team was is a little iffy for me. So it was a it was a one A and one B for me for, with the 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 Matumbo rookie there. That that suit with the Denver skyline in the background. There's 17 billion of them, but that's that's a card we all needed to have back in the day. So I I will. Um confirm how irrelevant those late 70s cards were right here that alex english is actually a pacers rookie um oh there you go yeah look it up they traded him for well they traded him for george mcginnis to get him back once he was already uh well past his prime you know you got to sell those tickets when you're about to fold so that was kind of the idea there there. um so the other one i i would have mentioned um well i had two I, I mean, it's not super iconic. The 71, 72 tops, Larry Brown. 
And then the yeah. that one's definitely not is going to be number one. But the 76, 77 um, tops oversized David Thompson. Um, so mm, that's okay. one. I mean, had he forged more of a, you know, NBA career, um, which I mean, he had a good career, but, you know, we we know all about some of his issues um, had those not yeah. come into play. You know, that might be a more important card than it is. And, and you know, he was Jordan's idol. So he, he was a big deal in basketball history, and he inducted Jordan into the Hall of Fame. All right, um, next team here. This is one that's going to uh, – I'll definitely have to post this one. Um, this is the Golden State Warriors. And I talked about this some in the last episode. So the Warriors started off in Philadelphia. They moved to San Francisco, and then they became the Golden State Warriors later on. So that, um, I'll just, I'll say this now, that means that Wilt Chamberlain's rookie is a Warriors card. So that is an option. Um, with that being said, and I hate this because I'm a vintage guy, but I chose Steph Curry's National Treasures RPA. What'd you choose? Wow, I really thought we were going to be opposite on this one, Kyle. I, I went with the same one. You know, I had, because I... Well, I, I mentioned it before. I started this blowout thread a couple years ago, and Wilt was my selection uh, probably for the majority of those two years. And then at some point, it's just like, you know, Wilt changed teams, and that Curry card is mm-hmm. this. There's been controversy. There's been you know all sorts of discussions about it. It's, it's a big deal every time it's auctioned off. Um, it's become a big story in the hobby. They're writing articles about it. I, so I had to go with the Curry, um, and I hate that. You know, I'd, I'd love for that Wilt to be that number one. Nothing against Curry, though, but um, so I chose the Curry RPA. Another one that I considered was the 1993 Finest Chris Webber. Were there any others mm-hmm. that you had listed? No, and it's just like to confirm with your listeners, we did not talk about this at all in advance, and the notes that I have are exactly what you said. Like it, To me, the 61 Wilt is one of the most iconic cards ever. But it's not an iconic Warriors card. I think when people think of Wilt's career, they think Lakers, Sixers, Globetrotters, and then they might remember the Warriors, even if they're picturing that card. Um, I think the only other one that I, I put up there was the top Steph Curry, just because it's that mm-hmm. close-up of him smiling, and it's a readily available card. But um, I, Yep, and I uh, had the, somebody the, else this week message me and say, oh, the Warriors has got to be Steph's tops card. And I said, well, no, actually it's not, but... It is definitely in contention. Um, the yeah. the white shirt though that kills it a little bit for me, um, but I, I you know it is what it is. It's still a very important card. All right, so let's move on to the Houston Rockets. So the Houston Rockets started off as the San Diego Rockets. They moved to Houston in 1971. They've been there ever since. Steve, let's go ahead and start with your selection here. You know the Michael Jordan effect is going to come in here, but also. You know what he meant to the the team. I want the '86 Flair Akeem Olajuwon rookie. Yeah, and I I agree with you on that. And and part of it just is, uh, you know, there's not a lot to compete with it. I don't think the '69 Elvin Hayes is that big of a deal. And even Yao Ming, you know, I was thinking, what Yao Ming card would I choose? There's several that I, you know, maybe, but uh, there's not one that it just everyone has to have. Um, there's some cool ones out there. Like I like his Chinese um, Topps Chrome variation, but that's I don't think that's an iconic card by any stretch of the imagination. So um, probably not much more we could say about this one unless you have anything else you want to add. I just found it interesting for this one. There's there's a lot to consider with an 86 flair. There's Clyde Drexler, Ralph Sampson. But other than that, I agree. My, my note to myself is Zhao has a strong following, but he doesn't have that one flagship card. So... I think right. we're, we're in agreement on that one. Say, we'll save Drexler for later. I think he was a Portland card, wasn't he? I mean, he might have been. I was just going through players from that team that were in yeah. the sixth flare, But All right. Well, let's move on to our Clippers then. Um, so you might have seen these um, retro jerseys before, but the Clippers started off in 1970 as the Buffalo Braves. They became the Clippers in 1978, and then Donald Sterling moved them to Los Angeles Um in 1984. So, um, I'll give my pick first, and then I want to talk about some of the options or, you know, we can call them options loosely, but, um, I chose the, the 2009, 2010 national treasures, Blake Griffin, RPA. What'd you choose? 
Um, I went with 73-74 tops, uh, Bob McAdoo. Okay. All right, so I actually had I had that listed. I said there are a couple Hall of Fame guys that had rookies with the Braves, so McAdoo and Dantley. Um, but it's not one that really sticks out to me. Um, I also had a kind of a wild card mentioned here. It was important at the time, but I and you could have chosen between several ones. I chose the 2000-2001 Darius Miles SPX jersey auto okay. numbered to 900. Um, it was just such a hot card at the time, and it's one that I actually kind of still want to own today just because of how hot it was at that time. Yeah, I went, I went, and I'm sorry, other Kyle, but like, what a crap bag organization the Clippers are. I went down a rabbit hole. Um, for Blake, obviously, I think over the last decade and a half, you know, you think Clippers, you think Blake. To me, honestly, his Panini base rookie card, that, that picture of him, the camera's almost at the rim and he's going up for the mm-hmm. dunk. Is And it was used in so much advertisement for Panini that that's the card I think of. Yeah. His career ended, you know, unceremoniously. McAdoo's a, probably the the greatest clipper of all time. Um, I I went as as deep as even looking at Brent Barry cards just because he was so iconic. Like he was important in the '90s, and so much of what drives the hobby now is the '90s. But I mean, there was there wasn't much to choose from. It wasn't it wasn't a pretty pretty uh, pile of cards to go through. So I ended up with the McAdoo more because of I just I I think of him as the greatest clipper. Um, and as more aside from some of the other teams where I think of the importance of sets and stuff. And, you know, I made this list and it got me thinking. And several nights ago, there was a Blake RPA ending on eBay and I bid on it. Um, I, I did not win. I thought I had a good chance because the patch sucked and the auto was bad. So I thought, like, maybe I can win this one <laughs> because I just want it. I just want to own one. Right. And, yeah. and that, that kind of put me in a position where I understood some of the you know, people criticize the LeBron people that'll buy some of the bad RPAs or whatever you want to call them. It's like, you know what? I just kind of wanted to own one of these Blakes, but yeah. um, it's probably better that I didn't because it was more than I needed to spend on Blake Griffin. So um, let's go to your adversary, the Los Angeles Lakers. They've been in two cities in their history, Minneapolis, hence why they're the Lakers, and then Los Angeles, of course. Um, what was your selection for the Lakers? So I'm going to be fascinated to see the feedback on this, knowing that they are my adversaries. But I went with the 96 Topps Chrome Kobe Bryant rookie. Okay. I thought you were going to try and cheat and choose the bird magic. Um, not cheating necessarily, but, you know, I figured you would try and get your own guy in there. So I'm I'm proud of you. I like where you went with that. Um, I chose the George Mikan 1948 Bowman, which I... I think there's going to be a lot of feedback for both of us on these selections, but um, talk to me a little bit about your selection. So I'll start by, I was pretty emphatic about the bird magic rookie being the most iconic Celtics card. And this is like, I hate this feedback, but to me, it's an easy no call for it not being the most iconic Lakers card because of the Mike and the Brian rookies. Okay. Um, and when we get to takeaways, I'll talk about, you know, some some that I, I realized. But yeah, it was one A and one B. And for me it was really difference of what what was important at the time and what's what's driven momentum in the hobby since. And that that ninety six Chrome Bryant rookie, I would argue ha- continues to have a growing following. Whereas the Mike and rookie, I don't know that it it grows exponentially like the the desire for the Kobe rookie has, and right. And then you've also got the action shot, the first year tops Chrome aspect, the the scarcity of it being retail only, all the all the information around it that people continue to track and talk about the hulking of those cards. So mm-hmm. I just think that 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 card is brought up and discussed in more circles with more people than the Mike and rookie is, despite the historical significance of the Mike and you're, you know what? You're right. Um, I, I couldn't bring myself not to choose the Mike and, but, um, it probably needs to be something else. Other options could have been the 61, 62, uh, Jerry West rookie and mm-hmm. uh, the, the bird magic Irving trio. And then I actually, you know, and, and I know Chrome has, kind of taken the mantle, but I, I still think of the finest Kobe. So I put the tops finest Kobe 
but um, a lot of options there. If you're a Lakers fan, um, you know, you got a lot to choose from. So be very happy with what you have. Uh, it's unlike some of these other organizations that hmm. we're about to get to here coming down this home stretch that I almost just didn't even want to give them a spot because their history, their card history was so shameful. Um, sorry if you're a fan of these teams, but the first one that we'll look at here is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so this was an expansion team that joined. So I, I need to cut them some slack. They joined the league in 1995. Um, they were originally in Vancouver in 2001. They moved to Memphis. I'll give my selection first. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not happy about it. Um, I chose Job Moran's Prism Rookie. And that's, I told you there were some doozies coming. I'll let you give your choice and then I'll explain. I I can't argue. And I'm, I, I think I feel the same way. And I, I just, I specifically went for the most popular set at the time and the probably the greatest Grizzly to date. And I went with the 08 Topps Chrome Marcus All rookie. And I, I don't know that that's iconic, but the set is. So okay. that's where I landed. Okay. Which, you know what? I, that I completely overlooked that one. Here's what I had written down. I put anything Sharif Abdurrahim, which yep. there's, you know, not a lot that stands out to me, but in, you know, okay, you could plug one of his in if you want something from the start. Um, I put Pau Gasol's Topps Chrome 2001 rookie. Yep. The problem was, and I've talked to some Grizzlies people, they don't, they don't really see him as a Grizzly. No. So he does, that would be more for the overall card world, maybe even though it's still not a huge card. To me, it's important. I think he's underrated. I think he you know, he had an amazing career. Um, I put any Mike Conley rookie. The problem is, try and picture a Mike Conley rookie right now. Maybe, you know, you. I'm sure you can picture some of them, Some, um, but it, it's a little more difficult than some of the other players. So that's why I'm like, you know what? I think John Moran is going to be one of those that's representative of this era. Um, I'm not happy with the selection, but it's there. Another one I even considered was the Chronicles uh, missed dunk over Kevin Love card for John yeah, Morant, yeah, yeah. Um, just because yeah. it's such a cool card. But yeah. um, I don't feel great about any of those picks, and I recognize that. I fully acknowledge that uh, it is what it is. Now, our next team, though, I feel like hold has... on, hold on. I just I I have to interrupt you because it, so I'm 40. So anybody that's in a little close to my age. It's just going to be remiss if, or angry that we didn't at least mention Big Country Brian Reeves. Okay, yes, all right, um, Big Country. From, <laughs> from, and honestly, their junk cards, I think it was 95 was his rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was when the, the Grizzlies and the Raptors were coming out, and, and his cards were huge chase cards. So at least got to throw his name out there and give a little love to the start of the Grizzlies in, in, in the middle of the junk wax. Era. That, that kind of like scratchy-looking uh, graffiti-like set. Was it Fleer? The yep, that's that's the exact one I was thinking of with the big rookie in the background. Yeah, yeah. that's that, see, okay. you could picture it. I could picture it. Yeah, I, I, we could give him that. Just know, people, I'm not happy. I'm not happy about the Grizzlies situation here at all. All right, the next team, I feel great about the next team. Um, yeah, and I, I we're probably this one. I feel pretty confident that we're going to be on the same page, even though you could have picked this ugly, scratchy version. Um, we had the Timberwolves that started in 1989. What was your selection for them? It was, I mean, one of the most, one of the more iconic cards of the modern collecting era is the 95-96 Topps Finest KG rookie. Yeah, and I chose that as well. It's it's just a shame there was no refractor version for the rookies that year, but uh, or at least in the the base set. So it is what yeah. it is, though. Um, there's not a lot of. Uh, Timberwolves cards that yeah I mean, obviously none that would even be close to that but I think some of the more modern prism stuff and even the Carl Anthony Towns RPA uh, were big for a while but they're not even going to be close to that Kevin Garnett so um, I figure we can go ahead and move on unless you got anything else you want to interject no that that one's that was in a checkbox so let's move on all right well here's here comes another doozy and I know, well, there are probably some people that even disagree with how I split this up to begin with. We've got the New Orleans Pelicans. It's tricky, right? It's complicated. So I considered the Charlotte franchise to be the Hornets until 2002, and then the Bobcats since then. So I know that's still confusing, but that means all Anthony Davis cards and all Chris Paul cards will belong to New Orleans. Um, so my selection 
and we we will have some we will talk after this. Um, but I chose the prism Zion Williamson. Ooh, I'm letting that sink in because I don't know if I disagree after my choice. But I want the 0506 uh, tops Chrome CP3 rookie. Okay, I actually think that I would put at least three cards in front of that, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so um, you've got the 2012-2013. You could really yep. choose either one of the RPAs, and I would choose them over Prism. Any one of the RPAs for Anthony Davis, because Immaculate was pretty big too. I choose National Treasures just because I, I've looked at them nonstop, but I think the Immaculate's pretty big too. Um, I think the even the National Treasures Zion RPA is a pretty big deal. And then I chose the Prism... Um, and I think it's interesting because I think this whole situation parallels what we ran into with Larry Johnson and Dikembe Mutombo, where the most iconic cards from the junk wax era are junk wax cards. Now, I'm not saying we're in a new junk wax era, but we, we do acknowledge a lot of stuff is mass produced or overproduced. And I think that this Zion card um, is very uh, very sought after, very represent, uh, representative of the era, and um, you know, big ho- a lot of hoopla around it. So, what well, my counter to the, the reason I didn't bring up Zion, I'll, I'll I'll give you the reason why I went with CP3, even though I don't feel good about it because of the we're talking iconic cards for the team, mm-hmm. and that error is such a gray area for that that organization that I, I don't feel great about it. I did right. bring up Zion because I'm not 100% convinced that he, his cards aren't going to be the next Derrick Rose or Jeremy Lin cards, where they're mm-hmm. hot for a couple of years and people forget about them. Now, right. to your point, we could be at a transition in the hobby right now with the mass production, the influx of people, Panini losing their license. So, the, And as you're going to see in my takeaways, a lot of these iconic cards come out of transitions in the hobby. So... I think you're you're potentially onto something there, but his cards could also be the thing that I forgot about next. And for Anthony Davis, I think he gets lost in the sh- now. You're onto something with the NTRPA, Immaculate. I'll argue with. I think a lot of modern collectors don't even remember the don't even know those Immaculate cards exist. Mm-hmm. But he gets lost in the shuffle of the double rookie class, Kawhi Irving, etc that I don't know that his cards stand out above those, and it's more maybe about the set. The reason I went with CP3 is I think, like, compared to AD, uh, the note I wrote to myself is 30 years from now, people will remember Anthony Davis. I think 30 years from now, people will still be talking about Chris Paul. Whether he wins a title, doesn't win a title, his work with the NBA Players Association, his friendship with LeBron, his revitalization of, of himself in OKC, what he's done with the Suns, his time, his time in with the Clippers, his career is going to span many generations of fans and collectors. That I think his his rookie card will continue to be significant, and yeah. that that's why. And it's it's a pretty easily identifiable. We you know that teal Hornets color again, but we're talking about the Pelicans, so that's where the gray area is. But him dribbling, it's got that that purple highlight. It's a popular set. So that, that's where I gave the edge to Chris Paul over Anthony Davis. And again, I, I didn't consider Zion yet just because he's, he's so fresh that I'm not sure I can put Iconic on his cards yet. Right. So I will say I, I'm i not happy about the fact that I've got as many um, ultra-modern cards on this list as I do. Some of them are just a result of, well, your franchise history sucks. Um, but this one, I will say, I do feel very good about that one. I like having that one there. And and it might be in a few years, you know, that might be one that I take out of there. But I feel very good about that one right now. Okay, um, the next one. Speaking of franchises that have controversial history, let's talk about the Thunder. Um, and I'm sorry, Thunder fans or Sonics fans, you're included in this, whether you want to be or not. So um, I am going to include the Sonics, which were from 1967 to 2008. And I told you that ahead of time, so you already had that information. Um, yep. What was your selection for the Sonic slash Thunder franchise? Kyle, this is one that I have the most notes on, and I, I don't have an answer. Um, I'm going with a KD RPA, 
And I'm going with the one that when I thought of Kevin Durant rookies, the one that popped up in my head the quickest and that I could picture without having to look it up. And it's the 07 um, Upper Deck Premier RPA out of 199. It's a horizontal one with like uh, the 2007 is made out of jersey numbers along the bottom. Okay. Um, And that was just the one that I could picture the quickest. I I have a list of other ones for consideration. Is that signed in black ink, like a thick black marker? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You said you had no, some other I, ones you were considering. Yeah, I don't. Want, I won't jump into it yet. But it's it's this is the one that I'm least confident about by far on the entire list we've done. Now, um, if your kind of your situation is like mine, though the the confidence comes from there being some strong choices as opposed to yes. there being some weak choices. Like, oh, I just have to. <laughs> pretty soon, I'm yeah. going to have to choose a Phoenix Suns card. Let me roll the dice. Um, so I chose, I also chose a Duran RPA, but I chose the traditional one numbered to 99. Um, even though at the time, the other ones were um, very popular. I, I'm kind of going, I'm thinking long term. I think that one's already emerged as the one that sticks out in people's mind. And I think it's going to stay there. Yeah, I don't disagree. And that was third on my list. The, the second one that I considered was the Upper Deck Rookie Threads out of 199, which is also horizontal. It's got the... 07 with sort of the acetate over it and the autographs on top of the jersey pieces again just those are ones that have been traded sold posted much more frequently than the exquisite over the years probably Mm -hmm. because they're more obtainable and cheaper uh so that when i think of iconic and again my my thing of like easily recognizable i think of them a lot quicker and understand the design quicker than I do the exquisite, but the exquisite was third um, on my list. It, and they're all, they're all interchangeable. It's a sub level for me. Now um, here are some other ones that I thought about, and I'm wondering if you're going to have those in there. Um, I had the 1990, 91 hoops, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. Um, I had the 1990, 91 Fleer, Sean Kemp. And I mm-hmm. had the 2008, exquisite which i could plug some of the other ones into but exquisite rpa for russell westbrook yeah yeah i put uh, honestly as far as iconic i would put that 90 hoops gary payton and and if in case people can't picture it he's on the phone taking the phone call of him getting drafted wearing a suit with the sonics hat that was i mean that represents so much about the late 80s early 90s and collecting and it was just a different type of moment to represent on a card. Um, it was really cool. And correct me if I'm not wrong, but I believe 7879 was Dennis Johnson's rookie and he was a Sonics. So I, I put that one up there too, just cause he's a hall of famer. But I, I put the Gary Payton over the camps. I, I had the camps on there as well. Um, but that Gary Payton card was just, it's just such a different moment to capture that I, I put it above the camps. Yeah. I like that one a lot too. And, and I don't, think it gets the respect it deserves but uh, people definitely know that card um okay so let's move on to the phoenix suns who have been around long enough to have some iconic stuff they were an expansion team in 1968 um i'm gonna give before either one of us gives our selection i'm gonna give um, all of you a chance to figure out your iconic suns card and if I had a soundboard here, like the Pact of the Future guys, I would insert the crickets because you're not going to think of one. Um, and I this this made me so up, and I shouldn't speak for people, but this made me so upset trying to come up with this um, that uh, the Suns should have something. They don't. Um, I chose the 96 finest Steve Nash. I don't feel good about it, but that's what I chose. What did you choose? I chose it, but I feel pretty good about it. Okay. All right. So you, I, I guess I'm being a little dramatic here. Um, so I also considered the 69, uh, Gail Goodrich rookie, which still yep. not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. The 69 Connie Hawkins, which he was, you know, banned from the league for a while. There was a scandal, um, you know, hall of famer spent some time in the ABA. Okay. So nice card, right? Um, you know, tops Chrome, Steve Nash, um, I asked a Suns collector, they said the Steve Nash autographics. I think maybe if there were more of them out there, maybe so. Um, anything Amari Stoudemire, maybe. Um, I had the Devin Booker Prism rookie. And then I tried to think of a Charles Barkley card. You know, I, I don't think, uh, Scoring Kings, Beam Team, some of those, they don't really stick out to me like that. 
Um, so make the case, even though I chose it as well, make the case for Top's Finest. Why should I feel better about that selection? So that was that was a set that was much more collected back in the day. I think it's a it's a very interesting design with him coming out as that sort of like brick look to it. And to me, instantly, if I think of a Steve Nash rookie card, that's the card I'm looking for. Like I would challenge people that just are casual collectors to tell me the image on the Chrome card because I think instinctively people think 96 Chrome, 96 Tops, mm-hmm. where I think a higher percentage of people could tell me the general look of the finest card. And you, you again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I, I also you know consider his impact on the team. First few years in Phoenix, returns, you know, two-time MVP, and that you know Mike D'Antoni's seven-second offense was a game changer in the mid two thousands, and he he was the point guard, he was the point person for that entire offense. So um, Steve Nash was an easy call for me, um, and that cut the finest card, the set, the how recognizable that image is, um, the fact that there is a refractor, you know, parallel to it was was a pretty easy call to me. And, and to your point, Kyle. The other maybe Hall of Famers that played for the Suns, they, they're not as impactful in, in the league's history. You get into a, a couple of, you know, several guys that had sort of their prime careers in Phoenix, but so maybe they're in insert sets, but was that really iconic for the team? Right. And then you've got players like Amari Stoudemire, who was iconic to the team, but is there one card that defines him? Um, I don't think so. Um, so that that's where the Steve Nash finest rookie was pretty pretty easy call for me. Okay, I feel a little better now. You've talked me off the uh, the cliff. You talked me off the Grand Canyon here. Um, so we can move on to Portland. I think, and I could be wrong. I think uh, as we close out here, these next few teams, we might have the same card. Um, but so Maybe. Portland was founded in 1970 in Portland. Been there ever since. What was your Trailblazers card? It's a card I've mentioned on the the pod before. It's the 74-75 Tops Bill Walton rookie. Okay, and that's what I went with as well. Felt pretty good about that one. Um, I didn't feel like there was a lot of Trailblazers stuff out there, but then again, I also felt like the Walton is just so recognizable. Um, And even though his NBA career probably wasn't as good as some people think it was, he had a short stretch there where he was phenomenal. You know, the college career phenomenal, came back with the Celtics, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, I also considered the 86-87 Drexler rookie. And then mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm trying to think modern, maybe a Damian Lillard card. But his situation, as I've covered on the podcast before, was different because he didn't have the early autograph stuff. So maybe Prism, but... I just don't think of the Lillard prism in the same way that I think of even Kawhi or AD. No, I've but I've got an outside the box, like pay attention to, okay. um, because I think if this set ever does take off, the, the Dame might be the poster child for the set. It's ultra modern. I went, you know, as a, a runner up and something to pay attention to the 1921 and one timeless moments, Damian Lillard card, because I think <laughs> that shot, that image, the way they designed that card is, pretty flawless and if that set does have some sustainability for you know the next two three four five years um, I think that card could become one that is is sought after and and well respected within the hobby will it ever become as iconic as the Walton rookie I don't think so but to your point about like this era of trailblazers cards I think that's one that could stand out over time you know anytime I've had a bad day at work I know I can always come home (laughs) And watch Damian Lillard hit that shot over Paul George. And just for that moment, everything is right again. Everything feels good. Um, Okay, Sacramento Kings. I'm sorry, Kings fans, but here here we go. Um, Well, to me, this wasn't a hard choice, but you'll see why I'm apologizing here in a moment. So they entered the NBA as the Rochester Royals. In 57, they moved to Cincinnati. In 72, they became a regional team called the Kansas City Omaha Kings, and the regional stuff never really worked out in the ABA or the NBA. Uh, they were exclusive then to Kansas City from, I think, 75 to 85, and then they've been in Sacramento ever since. Um, with all of that being said, my selection was the, and I don't doubt this at all, is the 61-62 Fleer Oscar Robertson. Yeah, I, I agree. And the, the only other card I even wrote down was the tiny Archibald rookie. But 
Um, obviously, six to one flair and and the big O. I mean, just that that's an easy choice. Yeah, if we if we had to choose something, Sacramento, I can give you names, and and they're yeah. even in a set that you talked about earlier, which would be Peja and Jason Williams. They're both in ninety eight Chrome, but I don't. And even though they're cool pictures, I don't think of those cards. You know, when I think of that set, there's there's three guys at least that I put ahead of them. Um, doesn't mean that they can't be iconic too, but um, they're not going to be anywhere close to Oscar. All right, um, let's talk Spurs then. I think we're, well, you know what? The Spurs have a lot of good cards. I don't want to keep speaking for you or thinking for you. So the Spurs started in the ABA under a different name. They became the Spurs. They uh, merged into the NBA and nothing's changed since then. What was your selection for the Spurs? I went with all 300 billion copies of the 1989 Hoops number 138, David Robinson rookie. And I did as well. Um, We talked about it. I think this card came up last week when we were talking about Shaq, or if not, I at least kind of alluded to it. But um, this card, you know, there, there wouldn't have been the momentum of Shaq had it not been for the guys that came before him, um, primarily David Robinson. Um, That was kind of where things were starting to, really take off. And and like you mentioned, there are a billion copies of those out there. Um, Other cards that I considered really, you know, there are several Tim Duncan rookies you could have selected. I chose, I also had the 2012 Prism Kawhi and then the 2012 uh, National Treasures Kawhi as well. Is there anything else that you at least had written down? The only, I mean, there's, and I, I didn't, I stopped from doing the research to really recall what sets they were from, but there's a couple of Tim Duncan's, I think the finest autographs that if there were more copies of, um, I think could be up there. Um, but other than that, no, the ones you mentioned, and, and to me, this was one that I answered my own questions pretty quickly and moved on. Yeah. I mean, really, there's no need to even come up with other choices, but, um, yeah, I thought sometimes I thought, you know what, I'll I'll throw some out there anyway. But to me, no, there's really no other choice. It's a David Robinson card. All right, that brings us to our last um our last franchise here, our last at least one that's not defunct. We didn't go into all the defunct franchises, but we've got the Utah Jazz. Um they start they were founded in 1974 in New Orleans, which makes sense. Why why are the Jazz in Utah, right? Well, that's a New Orleans thing. Um you know, I I want to rag on the Jazz and how boring they were. And when really, they're kind of like the Pacers West version, so I can't really talk much, but um, I chose the 86 Fleer Carl Malone. Yeah, like you said, these last few ones might be kind of boring because we're going to agree. I, I agree, and, and this was my least favorite team to, to research. There was just nothing that... I I went down... I, want, I wanted to find something exciting. I went through credentials. <laughs> I, I went through... And, it got to the point, Kyle. I almost wonder if one of the most iconic. So Malone and Stockton, for most people, they think jazz. They think Malone and Stockton. I don't even know how to define this in audio format, but I almost wonder if the '91 Skybox Dream Team <laughs> card with the trio. You know, the three cards make up the Dream Team. Yeah. If that card is as iconic as like Malone's rookie, like that. So if there's a, a Team USA Dream Team card that comes to mind as quick as their greatest player is rookie. It was just a, a pretty uninspiring set of cards to go through. Yeah. It, anything that could take the stink away from these two individuals. Um, so yeah, the other option was the 88 John Stockton, which is the same, you know, same rookie set as Reggie Miller. It's just a very underwhelming mm-hmm. set. Um, it's ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. It's uh, the centering's usually off. Um, it's just nothing exciting about it. So I went with Carl Malone. So, all right. So that rounds out all of our franchises, East and West. Before we go, though, we need to talk about some takeaways. So um, I'm going to, I'll start off with a few things here. Feel free to interject wherever you you think you need to. Um, and then I can come back at the end if there's anything else that sticks out to you. All right. So um, I think I, I've kind of talked about this already. There were some cards that only made this list because the options were bad. Um, in fact, you know, I, I didn't want to pick a Grizzlies or a Suns card, although I feel a little better now about the Steve Nash after talking with you about it. But um, 
you know, it's hard for me to say that the the Ja Moran is iconic, but uh, I even have written down here, though, for Zion, I can justify it because of the chaos in 2019 and 2020. Um, but then nothing seems to be iconic for the wrong reasons. And I think you mentioned that earlier, but we don't have any like Billy Ripken baseball cards here um, where there's something, you know, something written on the bat. We don't have anything like that. The closest we got, which um, I forgot to mention in our wrap up earlier. Uh, well, you mentioned it last week, the Menendez brothers card. That was probably the closest thing that we got, but um, still not the most iconic Knicks card. Um, something else that stood out to me is that um, some cards ended up being more important to a franchise than they are to a hobby at large. And I think that's where some of our differences came in because I feel like the Bird Magic rookie is one of the top five cards of all time, and yet I didn't pick it for anything because to me it's more some of the parts than anything else. I guess we can bring the Bucks in here as well because we had some comments about Giannis and, and the Bucks and the Kareem card from, you know, Kareem is revered from a league wide perspective, but Bucks fans have legitimate reasons to distance themselves from him. Um, so I, I kind of liked your Giannis pick, even though I went with Kareem to me, I'm thinking more of, um, history of the game, even though I made this iconic cards. Um, so that, you know, I, I can see where we had our differences there and, and maybe our, our versions of iconic are going to evolve as time goes on. In, in general, so I think a couple of things that, that stood out to me, sort of building off what you said, and but also to like based on that, what we just talked about with the box, Kyle, when I first jumped into this, when you first asked me to do this, and I started just without doing my research thinking, I, I thought I was going to think kind of like you brought up with that box, like the history and vintage would be so easy to kind of weigh towards because there was only one card to choose from. So if you wanted to... If you thought Wilt had the most iconic card or a Kareem, there was only one. Whereas a Giannis, a Kobe, a Zion, there's 700 base cards for them to choose from in, in just their rookie year. But um, what I found myself going towards is what weighed for me is who was collecting at that time and who continues to collect those cards, right? And mm-hmm. and I almost went back. I didn't listen to him, but I, thinking of your history of the hobby – um, episodes that you split up over, I think, three episodes. Mm-hmm. You talked almost as if there was like transition periods, right? There was like the vintage, and you talked about the impact of '86 Flair. You talked about the impact of '96, 2003, then so that 2009 to 2012 time span. And I didn't purposely look at those benchmarks when I was picking, but those were significant pivots or shifts in the hobby. And I found myself going to cards that were from those sort of time periods as opposed to cards that were from like 2005, right? Or Mm -hmm. 1999, right? Where the hobby was just sort of stagnant or plateaued and was waiting for its next pivot. So that was where, so for some, like the, the Giannis that you brought up, 2012, 2013 Prism was a shift in the hobby that then the hobby revisited probably three or four times since, right? They revisited with the Ben Simmons hype came out and then the, the not the 17, 18, 19 prism hype. Like we we've gone back to those, those periods a few times. And so there's, there's chunks of time in the period that I think were, were transformational and therefore a lot of iconic cards came out of those. Yeah. I think we've been desperately waiting for one of those classes to stick and, yeah. you know, 13, aside from Giannis, was a dud. Um, 14, you know, not been great. And even, you know, Embiid, we don't, nothing, he doesn't have the collectability that a lot of people have. 15, there's a few guys that, you know, are start, you know, Booker's starting to really flourish. But then again, Porzingis is dropping. Miles Turner is dropping. Carl Anthony Towns is dropping. Um, 16, you mentioned Ben Simmons. 17 had some good guys, but, um, you know, we're not quite sure where that's going to end up yet. And then 1819, it seems like some of those guys might stick. And But that is all coming from the momentum of the previous year. So like you said, it's interesting. All of those transition years that you talked about were also years where we had iconic rookies. And some of the stuff mm-hmm. in between, like 1999 was a solid rookie class, but there's nobody that really stands out. 
it was just solid from top to bottom. One of the best, you know, one of the best not talked about draft classes, but just there's nobody that really stands out. So it is interesting, though, how cards kind of correlate to that. And, and the players and the rookies drive those cards in those markets. And then sometimes that causes the innovations to come about as well. So I, that's a good observation. I like that. And, and like you just hit on, I mean, some people might listen to these two episodes and pick up on almost every card we talked about was rookies. But across all the sports, rookies and prospecting drive this hobby. And you know, the, probably the negative side effect of that chase you were just talking about is I think, unfortunately, people are paying LeBron prices for some Zion or some Jaw cards because they're, they're prospecting. They're thinking, oh, well, if a LeBron rookie goes for this much, I can't get that, but I can get a Zion rookie, and, and he's the next big thing, and, and people are chasing. But that's why the cards become iconic because that's what massive amounts of people chase they're not chasing a third year insert for the most part they're chasing those rookies they're 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 gambling they're paying the lot playing the lottery or they're the new shiny thing on on their favorite team and therefore they're getting that so there's many collectors that go after rookie cards which is why we talked about i mean even the teams that we talked about multiple cards for almost all of them were rookies and it just reinforces that that rookies drive the hobby um and continue to support the the next exciting wave of the hobby yeah, and you know what? I don't think that's ever going to go away either, and I, and I'm okay nope. with that, and I like that. Yep. So it keeps it interesting every year, and it keeps um, keeps me following new releases because those rookies, whether you you want them, pay attention to them or not, um, they are going to kind of dictate where things go. So um, speaking of of things that are are moving, so we've kind of moved to our close here, Steve. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. I've got your social media handle in the title in case anyone wants to reach out to you. Um, I will be talking to you again soon, but thank you very much as always. Absolutely, but as always, I, I had a lot of fun and, and appreciate you having me on. All right, so for those of you that are listening, maybe there was something either of us said today that resonated with you, um, or maybe there was a card that we completely overlooked. I'm sure you know there's probably something we both forgot about. Reach out to us on social media. I gave his handle. You can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or Twitter under the handle at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www waxmuseumpodcast.com in the meantime if you like the content i'm providing please subscribe rate and review on itunes spotify or google podcast hit up the podbean site for a link to the merch store tag taco bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos and until next time this is the wax museum podcast